it began to sink in uh, a few weeks ago as this day was approaching and we were making plans for it and getting things ready that, uh, that I've now entered that time uh, in, in the life of ministry in which the names that are called out over the course of the year uh, in, encompass every, all of the names or people that I, uh, that I was in ministry with and, and got to know. All, each of the names that, I, that, that we read and, and many of the names that you called, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of them or their stories or had the chance to spend time with them. It's a... Uh, it's, it's a precious thing, and it's not limited to just the guy wearing the microphone on this side, is it? I mean, to, to, to hear the names and to be aware that our lives have been impacted significantly by someone who is no longer here. This is, this is, this is what the Celtics would have called a, a thin space. This is to be reminded not just of our mortality, that none of us is here forever, but, but that there is something beyond. The questions sound like this. Pastor, will I ever see my loved one again? Or, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. Will, will, will they recognize me when we all get to heaven? Or, or how, does, how does marriage work up there? That's, that's a question that, that comes frequently. Or, 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 or what, what, what does it look like? What do we look like? How does it work? How can I know for sure? The question is, will I know my loved one? Will I see them again? Or today, walking away from the grave, walking, walking out of the funeral home, is this goodbye the last goodbye with no more hellos to follow? And these aren't just the questions that are asked of a pastor, are they? Right? These are the questions that every one of us has fielded. These are the questions that are, that are typed into the search engine. These are the questions asked of coworkers and friends and family. Is there more than just this. I need there to be more than just this. We, we, we find our scripture today from, I don't want to say an unlikely spot, but I don't know that I've preached on it before. It comes from a set of passages that Mark has offered to us as Jesus gets close to the end, as he's about to enter Jerusalem, and they are the, the, the passages each revolve around a different individual or group who, by and large, are trying to trap or trick Jesus. They have got an organized plot to end Jesus before he creates any more trouble for them with the Roman authorities or their own people. And so I invite you to turn your scriptures to Mark chapter 12 to this, to this yet again passage that offers a group of people trying to trick Jesus and catch him and so that he would be exposed as being some kind of heretic or exposed as not believing the, 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 the truth of, of their Hebrew scriptures, exposed as being someone different than he claimed to be. And it sounds like this. Sadducees, it's Mark chapter 12, verse 18. 
Sadducees, who deny that there is a resurrection, came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a widow but no children, the brother must marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. This, this is in reference to a passage of Scripture that, uh, that, that was from the Old Testament, that was in the law, but it was also a tradition greater than just that of the Jews or the Hebrews uh, a thousand years before. It is a, it's a tradition known as uh, the Leverate marriage tradition, and it's found not just with the Jews. Uh, it's still found in even some places today. It is based on, and your, your attention should be raised, it's based on this idea that women who, who were married and then their husbands and then widowed and their husbands passed away and they were left without a child could potentially be left without any way to provide for themselves. It, it, it was started in a time in which women could not provide for themselves, could not manage on their own. Some of you are supposed to start to feel like a little uh, defensive right now, right? A little, you know, a little ticked off by this kind of notion, but, it, but it's accurate. Uh, or or it was, it, it, it's derived from a time in which women were seen as possessions of the men that they were in relationships with. This is, this is grounded here, and this is, this, is, this is the tradition that they are asking a question about. So they go on in this case study scenario that they offer. So she's widowed, but there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman. When he died, he left no children. The second married her and died without leaving any children. The third did the same. None of the seven left any children. Finally, the woman died. At the resurrection, when they all rise up, whose wife will she be? All seven were married to her. And I'm telling you, it doesn't say this exclusively, explicitly in the scriptures, but I'm telling you right now that when they ask Jesus this question, they get their elbows out and they're going, got him on that one. What's he going to do? We, we, seven of them, there's no way he doesn't have an answer for that because they're trying to trick him. How do we know they're trying to trick him? Well, it's pretty obvious because they didn't believe in the resurrection and yet they're asking a question about the resurrection. Jesus said to them, isn't this the reason you are wrong? Because you don't know either the scriptures or God's power. Now, if we were in middle school and there were two people in the hall and they were exchanging put-downs to each other, everybody in the room right now would go, ooh, so I need you to do that real quick. Yeah. He, if, if you're going to call someone a name in this current Jewish climate, to suggest that they don't know the scriptures is about as bad as talking about their mama, okay? I mean, that, this, is, this is a mama-level put-down, all right? And I'm not saying it's okay to talk about each other's mamas, okay? I've had that done to me, and I didn't like it when it happened, so don't do it to other people. But I'm telling you, this is of that gravity. There were, there were five Jewish uh, religious parties at the time of Jesus. The one, the one that any of us can get easily starts with a P, the Pharisees. We're told by Jesus in a number of different instances, I hope that your faith is greater than the Pharisees or don't be like the Pharisees. That was probably the largest of the groups, the Pharisees. There, there, there were also the Herodians, the Zealots, the Essenes, and then the fifth group, the fifth group, 
At the time of Jesus, of these religious parties, this, this was, were the Sadducees. They were the aristocratic, wealthy, believed themselves a little bit better than everybody else. They, they thought themselves so, so, something like the 1% to the rest of our 99. You with me, right? They, uh, they, they, they were the most connected they, they, were the, they were the religious group that the high priest was most often chosen to be, uh, to be called out from. They, they, they believed that their understanding of the scripture was purer than everybody else because they didn't actually use all of the scriptures of the Hebrew Bible to actually, to actually call law. They really put most of their emphasis on only the first five books. They, they did very little with the historical books, very little bit with the prophets, and then they tossed out all of the oral religious tradition that the Pharisees were all about. And you know, the Pharisees are the ones that say, on the Sabbath day, if you take this many steps, well, you've taken too many. You know, the Pharisees are the ones that created these traditions and, uh, and added so many more laws. The Sadducees tossed all those out, but they tossed out a bunch of other stuff too. So it's significant that when Jesus goes to contend with the Sadducees, that the passage of Scripture that he quotes is from one of those first five books. He's actually quoting a passage here. I think we've got it. It's, uh, it's Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. He says, don't you remember that the one that, that you consider to be the be-all, end-all. Don't you remember that Moses encountered at the burning bush was told to take his sandals off, Connor. <clears throat> take your sandals off. You're, 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 you're playing the guitar on holy ground. That's, that's, that's actually Exodus 3, 5. And the very next verse says, I, this is God speaking to Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look God. If you, if you don't get any other point, listen to Jesus this morning. Jesus is saying, the covenant that God made with Abram, which, which said, hey, if, if you'll go and do this much in response to I'll give you this much. If, if, if you'll have faith that's this, this big, literally just get up and, and move your family. If you'll do this, I'll make you the father of many sons. Many sons, okay. No, I'll make you the father of many, many nations. This is the covenant that Jesus is reminding them that God was still into, still honoring at the time that he meets Moses. But it's worth mentioning that the, that the names that were the original signers of the covenant document, they're written, written in a covenant document, but, but work with me here. The, the, the names are all of people who have since passed away. Jesus says, isn't it obvious if God is still proclaiming that he honors a covenant that he made with people who are no longer here, that there's more to life than these, our mortal bodies. Why would God say, I, I honored that covenant, but now they're gone. I really don't honor that covenant. He says, I'm the God of the living. 
And so while the world might call these three men and the households and the women and the children that, 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 that were faithful with them, while the world might call them dead, I'm the God of the living and they're living also. If you don't hear anything else, hear Jesus proclaim that just because we can't see someone doesn't mean they're not still alive. That the God who made promises with people on this earth is still keeping them even when we can no longer see them anymore. And all the church said amen. I mean, this is the truth of the gospel, but the problem has been, and I wanna, I wanna address this before we, before we enter in, the problem has been that in the last couple hundred years, The church has taken this grand, glorious understanding of the resurrection and of salvation and of God's powerful, mighty work. It's taken it and it's and it's and it's and it's reduced it to the shortest window. We 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 sing as as our as our theme song, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. And, and we cling to the truth that, that, that when our loved ones are, are separate, or, or, you know, when, 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 when their spirits and their bodies have been separated, that, that they are in spirit with Christ in heaven. But they, they make the future, they, meaning, meaning the ways that the church has demented and twisted this understanding of the resurrection, they've made it so narrow and so small, it's only about getting to heaven like, like some wispy, cloudy, little, 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 little angel-looking spirit person. That our best understanding of what happens afterwards is that we're floating around singing songs to someone playing a harp. I mean, who sings songs anymore to someone who plays a harp, right? The church is so reduced and taken the short view, I'm I'm borrowing that language from J.D. Walt, taken the short view of what the resurrection is about, that it's gotten rid of the core essence of our faith. See, I was raised in a church, and many of you were too, because it's still true today, that taught me the words, and I have them memorized, and I don't memorize very much at all. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This, this creed passed down from the apostles, this apostles' creed that, 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 that we were raised with as Methodists and, and, and so many as Catholics and so many as Presbyterians and Lutherans and, and just so many, so all these creedal churches, this creed has in the core of it not just that we're gonna all go to heaven and that be the end of what God is doing for us, but also that there will be a resurrection of the body. Paul, Paul addresses the importance of hanging on to this. He says it this way in, in 1 Corinthians 15. If the dead aren't raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. If Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is worthless. 
You are still in your sins. And what's more, those who have died in Christ are gone forever. If we have a hope in Christ only in this life, then we deserve to be pitied more than anyone else. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first crop of the harvest of those who have died. Since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead came through one too. In the same way that everyone dies in Adam, so also everyone will be given life in Christ. This, this is the word of God for we the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. This is the gospel is that the same resurrection that that Christ experienced by the power of God is the resurrection that believers will experience by the power of God. And what kind of resurrection was that? When when he came back, did he tell them, hey, don't touch me, because if you do, your hand will go right through me, because I'm really kind of a ghost right now. Is Is that how it went? Anybody? Anybody read that section? Is that how it went, Zane? I don't think that's, what did he say? He said, it was kind of weird, it was kind of gross. He said, come over here and touch touch the scars because the resurrection that Jesus experienced and that the witnesses I mean at one point it's like it's like 11 and another point it's like more than that and at one point he says it's like 500 the 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 the, the witnesses saw the fullness of the resurrection which is which is more than just some glad morning it's that our mortal bodies will be resurrected as new creatures. Will I see my loved one again? Yes. This is the core of what we believe. The church, and I'm, and I'm guilty of this and, 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 and probably the primary one right now, the church, we have failed to celebrate every Sunday like a little Easter. Every every Sunday in the church, the people of God should gather and, 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 and it should be clear whether or not we say it out loud. Maybe we need to say it out loud so that it's clear. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The, 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 the church should celebrate every Sunday like a little Easter. Because, because we, are, we are in worship for an hour and we're out in the world for a week. We desperately need to press the reset button when we get back in this place that says there is more. Oh my gosh. There is so much more than what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears. There is, there is an entire different realm, a different dimension. And it is both glorious and it's terrible. Cheryl taught it months ago, and folks participated in it. There is, there's, a, there's a massive spiritual battle going on. And just because you cannot see it with your eyes does not make it true, does not make it not true. We, we, we must proclaim that every Sunday is this reminder of the resurrection, but when we get to All Saints Day, we, we pause to celebrate the God who by his grace shared these lives with us. By his grace 
offered saints for us that we would be made more faithful through their lives. Edith and Jim, goodness gracious, and, 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 and Peggy, the, the, these persons who have shaped our lives have made us better. These, these persons like, like Catherine Bell who sat at the 11 o'clock service right over there and whose vision had been gone but who could see the truth of what God was doing in the world We pause once a year to celebrate what God has done in their lives and what God has done in our lives through them. May we be people who take the long view and trust that we will see our loved ones again. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us the vision for that which we cannot see. Give us the faith to believe that which is not in front of us. Give us the hope that there is more to this life than what the world would tell us. Lord, we are thankful people for those who have gone before us. And we yearn for the day that we might feast at your heavenly banquet with them. In the meantime, allow this sacrament to draw us closer to you, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen and amen. I invite you to follow along on the screens as you hear these words of invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. We are reminded in the scriptures that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread off the table. He gave thanks to God.
He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you have a meal together, do so remembering me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, and he gave thanks to God, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink. This cup represents my blood, which is shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins, a new covenant between God and God's people. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts of Jesus Christ, we are thankful people. Let's pray. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be the body of Christ broken and offered to the world, the blood of Christ shed and poured out. Lord, we pray for your final victory and your kingdom to come, that we might be united in the communion of saints gathered around your heavenly banquet. This we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen and amen.